We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I get buckets. going on guys welcome to blue wire buckets i'm your host justin roan with me today we got a very very good show we have nick crane from the uncontested podcast part of the blue wire network nick how's it going it's not bad i uh did not think the game would be that much of a blowout but you know what can you expect <laughs> well i kind of i kind of had a hunch once i heard clay was out it it kind of felt like the Warriors were conceding this one. And to help provide some analysis on the Warriors is our friend, host of the Light Years podcast, Sam Esfandiari. Sam, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's good. The A's are up 7-5 in the fourth inning. Um, it, really big, big day for, for Oakland sports. They're really starting to turn their season <laughs> around. Really, really big day for Oakland sports. First of all, I want to start this off by apologizing to our listeners. We did not have a Sunday podcast. We should have had a Sunday podcast. Um, We're really committed to the sense of community with the whole Blue Wire Buckets network. And because Sam and Andy are such an important part of our network, we wanted to have a tribute to Steph and not show up in the finals sometimes. Um, But this time, but now... Hey, it's it's Wednesday night and we showed up and we're showing up with a bang, just like Steph did. I want to start with Steph because this really was a fantastic performance from him. It's funny because obviously some people, including myself, have drawn comparisons to 2015, what LeBron had to deal with. And my, my actual takeaway, though, is that it would be interesting to see Steph in a situation where he needs to kind of take on this sort of usage a little more frequently, but with a more competent supporting cast. Like the the Warriors have guys with a 
players with a pulse out there, but they're not necessarily guys that are helping Steph and making things easier for him. Sam, what what did you see from uh, Steph trying to make the most of this kind of mash unit that the Warriors were trotting out there? I mean, it's it's just kind of a a better version of 2001 Iverson is what I was seeing. Like, because, <laughs> I mean, he was asked to do a lot uh, before KD came. They had, I mean, Clay can be counted on for 20 points. Like, we can go into what Clay can't do, but end of the day, he's still very reliable 20. He can get 30 here and there. He'll have his bad games here and there. He's an all-star player, right? Um, right. But everyone else on the Warriors is basically a compilation of guys who don't really shoot the ball. Like shooting is their last option. They're all relatively smart players who want to move the ball, make plays for others in some capacity and defend. And shooting's the last thing on their mind. Like in the third quarter, when it looked like the Warriors might make a game of it, Iguodala started hitting threes. Um, and, but that lasted for what? Like a three minute period. He, he took like three or four shots there. And then he went back to being Andre Iguodala, the player who wants to shoot it seven times a game maximum. Draymond right. doesn't really want to shoot the ball. Livingston's kind of the same mold. And then when you consider all the injuries, we're talking about like the 10th, 11th, 12th guy in the rotation. I mean, they were running stuff off of like four screens to get anything most of the game. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Now, Sam, Nick, Nick and I were kind of talking before you jumped on here. My sense is that, and we didn't want to get into it too much before him, but my sense was that Clay could have played, and this was almost the Warriors conceding this game for the the health of the series. Nick, Nick do, you, do you agree with that assessment? I, I definitely agree. I think he he easily could have played, but you're right. They, they were thinking long-term, and I quite frankly think that they thought they could pull this game off without him, and obviously that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I think I think they had some sense that they were going to pull this that they could pull this off, but I I think that they were comfortable going down two one. Does, does this change the outlook for the rest of the series for either of you guys in, in in your eyes? I mean, my outlook on it is mostly health related. Um, if Clay comes back and he's limping, he can't move. Obviously, they lost Looney for the series, and no one knows where KD is. Yeah, they're in trouble. It's over. But um, I, I did think it was gamesmanship from everything I heard. Clay was begging to play and they kind of they're they're really worried he'd re-aggravate it. Like he Clay Clay is the uh, the Black Knight Monty Python who's going to try to play through everything until the point where he can't. So yeah. it was kind of saving him from himself. Um, I, I think they thought maybe catching them off guard, you know, like you know how like the Spurs with Duncan Parker and Ginobili would sit everyone randomly for a national TV game and somehow they'd still win. <laughs> it's like that kind of thing. Right. And it almost worked. Um, I mean, I thought they were more competitive than they should have been when you look at like all the players who are out there, like in the yeah. event that clay Katie and Looney, well, Looney's gone, but in the event that clay and Katie never come back, if this was the team that had to play the rest of the series, it's just going to turn into bigger and bigger blowouts. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't have a whole lot of confidence moving forward, and it was surprisingly close. And and there were, I I really hate discussing it, but some of the officiating was just a, an absolute tire fire on both ends. But th there were calls like the two missed Ibaka goaltends that could have helped keep things a little bit closer because, especially when you're dealing with the Raptors, fairly or not, 
I, I think the perception is still if you get it close and if you're really pushing there and uh, you get it to, let's say, a three point game, the, the sphincters get a little bit tight at that point. Uh, Nick, what did you think about the Raptors response? Because as Sam mentioned, they, they did have um, pushes throughout this game where it did look like, hey, maybe they might actually be able to overcome all these injuries. But uh, Toronto always seemed to have an answer. Yeah, I, I think you guys both hit the nail on the head. If if this series continues and this is the lineup the Warriors have every single night, I think they're definitely in trouble. Uh, if if these guys like Katie and Clay come back, the Warriors obviously have the edge. But you know, props to the Raptors coming out, taking advantage of a very very depleted Warriors roster. Um, like, like you said, they had those runs where they could have very easily. You know, just like the Warriors in previous series have been down, you know, double digit points up to almost 20 points and come back. The Raptors always had that answer, you know, whether it be um, goaltends that should have been called. Uh, <laughs> they still had some sort of an answer to kind of uh, keep that lead going. Yeah. And, and they they had a balanced effort like they had what the Warriors they played the type of game that the Warriors like to play, which is six guys in double digit uh, scoring. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was strong again, not not as outstanding as he's been in the past. But Kyle I Lowry, feel like every one of Van Vliet's buckets were backbreakers, though, because they all they all seem to they come felt at, like it. They all seem to come at like the the most inopportune time if you're the opposition. Like <laughs> you, he gets he gets it isoed at the end of the clock, and you're like, oh, okay, they're gonna get a stop here, and then he makes something. Yeah, he he had some massive shots. The the moon shot obviously kind of stands out, and his defense all series has been really really spectacular. Yeah, um, it's funny. They uh, he reminds me of Chris Paul guarding stuff, where he just kind of like I mean he's kind of a thicker guy, and like he's mm-hmm. just really good at like bumping stuff with his lower body and like grabbing in ways that no one can see. Uh, but that's like the most effective way to play him. Like he has, he had more success on Steph than Kawhi's had all series, which is, I mean, Kawhi seems to ha- be limited physically in some ways, but like you wouldn't really expect that. I was about to say it really does look like Kawhi's playing on one leg out there, like he's just m- moving around. Uh, he just does not seem to to have it. Um, at, at least the same kind of uh, side to side mobility that he's had in the past. I'm I'm interested. A uh, little bit of a plug here, but I'm interested if the Warriors pulled off a real light years move here with Clay because if Kawhi kind of wears down and his mobility gets sapped by the game and the Warriors are able to get a more rested Clay and it's less likely that he's going to re-aggravate his injury, um, it really could end up paying dividends there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always risky throwing finals games away, um, essentially, is what they did. <laughs> but, I mean, they, I, I don't know, Sam. I, I, I think teams can come back from final <laughs> deficits. I, I've, I've seen it before. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, the Warrior fan perspective is pretty if, – if Clay and KD come back, um, they have no reason they shouldn't win the series. If cl- just Clay comes back, I think it's a little dicier because um, – in all those games they won without KD, um, Looney was kind of the guy who's finishing lineups. And he's kind of, he's unheralded, but he's kind of in that like Tristan Thompson, Ed Davis, kind of like he will do, he will fill the exact role you need, like a defensive center 
to do in those moments. And I mean, my right. biggest takeaway from this game was the when the endorphins wore off from Boogie's first game back, it was rough. Like Toronto looked at that film and just destroyed him. Yeah, I'm I'm still a little surprised Nick Nurse isn't matching all of Boogie's minutes with uh, Gasol. Uh, Nick, I, I didn't get your take on this series before it had started. And I, I just want to know if your outlook has changed at all. Like uh, Sam's kind of given his take on what would happen if it's just Clay back or if it's Clay and KD. Where, where do you kind of fall on that spectrum? You know, heading into the series, I was pretty optimistic KD would be back by now. Um, even without KD, when you still have Steph, Clay, and Draymond, that's essentially the same, you know, core three guys that won 73 games and, you know, were one of the best regular season NBA teams ever. So with that in mind, I'm still pretty confident they would win at this point. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm not super confident in the Warriors winning at all this year. Oh, okay. I, I kind of like the take that. My my stance right now is I'm not picking either of these teams to win or lose. Like, I, I think whoever wins the series is going to have to really go out and earn it. And I, I don't think either of these teams are going to give it away. I don't think this is the Raptors team of the past. And I think the Warriors, as banged up as they are, I, I think you, you really you have to beat the champ. You have to take it away from the champ. And, and I really do believe in kind of the resolve and the mental toughness of this team. And they still seem to be in somewhat of a comfort zone. Yeah, it's um, everyone wants to compare them without KD to the 2014 to 16 Warriors. And while it's kind of true in like a basic sense, the way I look at it is that team was more like the young up and comers who didn't know what they were doing and, and were going on pure I don't want to say adrenaline and just kind of talent and that sort of thing. This is more the the veteran skills are diminishing. Draymond's not as good offensively as he was three years ago. There's no way around it. Um, we see games where he'll like tear up Enos Cantor or have a little throwback game, but he's, he's nowhere near as, as um, consistent a shooter as he was in the past, right? And Iguodala's right. 35. Um, yeah. He's still probably the smartest player on the court in the entire series, but like he has to pick his spots because his body's not going to let him go hard for 38 minutes. So it's a lot more just kind of like, I mean, they, they've kind of weirdly transitioned into being kind of like the Spurs or like the KG Celtics where you're like, I don't know if they still have it as much, but like they're not going to get beat on, on dumb stuff. So to say, I, I kind of have a little side question here. So you obviously, uh, follow the Warriors more closely than I do, you know, on a game to game basis throughout the regular season. What happened to Draymond? I was looking at his stats. I actually tweeted something out tonight. He's a whole 10% down from three point percentage than he was in the 2015 16 season. And his offense overall just kind of seems to have like fallen apart. Is there something you can attribute to that or like what's happened to his? Well, I, I do think, I mean, I think 2016 was an outlier shooting season. Like we have way too many years of him being more like 33% from three to think that, that one. That year. was his one Jay Crowder year. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Um, that said, since they brought KD in, it's just been so much more of a focus for him not to shoot the ball, to kind of move the ball. And, and you get it when they have everyone out there, you don't want him chucking it up. Um, so I, I feel like it's, it's a little bit of a struggle when, when Katie's out, they need him to be a little more aggressive offensively, but 
he's not Clay Thompson in the sense of, well, he's obviously not shoot Clay is, but you know, he, he can't just like, you can't just ask a guy who's taking two threes a game and kind of six, seven shots a game to move back to being a focal offensive point. No, no, I, I, I completely agree. And it's tough for him to be in that distribution role when you just don't have the shooters out there. Um, but like, I, I agree, though, that at this point in his career, that distributor role is the best role for him. And speaking of great distribution, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors at ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders no matter where you're selling. Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get out orders quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. I love that because credit cards and credit for bloggers is not great. Uh, ShipStation works with all major carriers, including the U.S. Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, and Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. And while you got your distribution down and you got that looking good, why not take care of yourself? Uh, And you can do that with our other sponsor, Harry's. Blue Wire is still teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, travel blade cover, and you get all of that for just $3 shipped to your door. Enough with the cheap razors, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with a quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdeveloped. Harry's has bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's by claiming your trial offer and going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. How about that, guys? Are, are you guys Harry's men? Uh, you've seen my beard. I don't shave. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I use it. Um, got to keep the the underneck clean, the the cheeks. Uh, you know, got to keep the beard all groomed. Harry's is great. I, I'm I'm always wondering about your cheeks, so I, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm I'm glad I'm glad to see you're taking care of them. Speaking of cheeks, Demarcus Cousins, uh, he was not good at all in Game Three. Um, it it was funny. Mark Jackson was remarking about. Uh, what what happened to the Warriors' defense? It was so stout there, and every single time Boogie checked in, that that was usually the culprit there. I've I've always been a big Boogie guy, and I thought that he would be a guy tonight that would really show out and kind of pick up the slack in Clay's absence, and he kind of did the opposite. I'll, I'll give Nick Nurse credit for this. Um, I don't think they really knew what to expect from Boogie in Game Two because obviously he hasn't played since game two of the playoffs. 
And he kind of gave the Warriors that kind of like emotional energy boost in that game, made um, a lot of big effort plays. And this game, they came out with a very clear game plan to just abuse him. Um, So now I'm just curious what Kerr can do to kind of counter that because um, if Katie isn't back in the next game, even if Clay is back, they need Boogie to be some sort of contributor, especially since they don't have Looney. Um, And I I don't really know what the Warriors can do. Like, because I don't think he has much of a defensive ceiling or much more growth defensively. Like, are they going to start doubling Gasol? That's probably a bad idea, right? Right. It's, I, I think this is where you're really, really missing Looney. And um, this playoffs, like, I'd watched a, a decent amount of Warriors in the regular season, but this playoffs kind of really highlighted to me just how good Looney is defensively. Um, that's a really promising young player that the Warriors have there. And it's it's a really tough blow to have when they, they could use some young legs. Um, my whole thing with Nurse was, and I mentioned this earlier, I I just don't understand not having Gasol out there every minute that Boogie is. Not because Boogie's this massive threat or anything like this, but you just don't want him to get confidence. You don't want him to find any sort of rhythm because you're trying to take away as many weapons as possible for the Warriors. Um, I, it, It's just such a tough spot for Golden State to be in because they don't really have the weapons to, to play small. You don't have Looney and... I, I don't think you can play Andrew Bogut for 48 minutes. Yeah, and, and beyond that, it's um, a lot of their going small is predicated on, you know, having all their wings. Uh, if, right, well, yeah, that, that's it, what I was implying there. <laughs> yeah, if if KD and Claire out, going small means putting McKinney at power forward, and, like, I'm not sure McKinney's an NBA player right now, honestly. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a rough one for them. Um, I kind of want to talk about Toronto, though. Um, do we want to do we want to give Kyle Lowry and Danny Green credit, like particularly Lowry, or is this just kind of like you're you're being guarded by Quinn Cook, you're being guarded by McKinney? Um, you should do something. Nick, where do you fall on that? I hate to be that guy, but I've always thought Kyle Lowry was pretty overrated, and you know, before this series in the playoffs, he's been pretty bad. So just based off those facts, I'm kind of leaning towards what you were saying, Sam. It it kind of comes down to him being guarded by those guys that aren't starting caliber players that are having to play extended minutes. Here's my thing with Kyle Lowry, and this was something I had talked about prior to this series. I don't know if overrated is the right word. I think that Kyle Lowry... He, he almost is the point guard version of Marcus Gasol in some ways where he's always going to make the right decision. And when the Warriors have all their weapons, they can defend Kawhi straight up. They can f- play good defense. Clay can guard Kyle Lowry. And he's going to force him to make the right play, which is often a pass out of that defense where the Raptors might need in this series for him to be more assertive and really go out and get his own bucket um, to generate offense when offense isn't there and, and give Kawhi kind of that consistent second option. But tonight, I Kyle Lowry's version of making the right decision when he's defended by the guys he's being defended by is taking shots that are comfortable in rhythm and doing a good job of playing within the flow of the offense. I don't think it's necessarily an indictment of Kyle Lowry. I just think he's been miscast in the past as 
a number one player uh, for a lot of his time in Toronto. He, he was the best player on Toronto um, where he's just he's a kind of throwback point guard with a little bit more of an offensive mind than our traditional idea. But he's still a game manager. And, and I don't mean that in a critical way. I just thought tonight was a, a case of him making the right decision. And with the defenders he had, it it resulted in him having a good scoring game. Yeah, like you're saying he's you can count on him to get his 15 to 20, but like put him in a situation where they need him to take over. It's just not who he is, not in these moments, but he doesn't have to do that against the Warriors right now. So it's right. good. Not, not this Warriors team. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, I, I don't think you can put him in like the Kyrie 2016 role and have him go out and get you 30 points a game. Um, and, but really, like, he doesn't need to be that guy, even if Clay and Durant come back. So assuming they're not at 100 percent, I don't think he necessarily needs to be that guy when you do have Pascal Siakam playing better, when you have Marcus Gasol being assertive. Um, when you have Danny Green playing well f- for the first time in a while, like he just hasn't shot the ball well. But when Danny Green's playing like this and you're getting that balanced offensive effort, he doesn't need to be some sort of superstar score. Yeah, well, it helps when they, you got the Warriors third string going and, you know, there's just no there's no there's no <laughs> resistance. I mean, I thought Draymond was pretty poor tonight. That was kind of my other takeaway yeah. from the Warriors. Like Draymond can't guard the whole team. But he needs to do a little more than this. There was a lot of like him passing guys off and then like getting upset that they can't cover him. And it's one of those like, well, what do you expect? Like Jordan Bell or Jonas Drevko aren't going to be able to handle a switch on Pascal Siakam or Kawhi. So it's one of mm-hmm. those where it's like, I, I, I think the Warriors are. You're you're probably right. They're just kind of playing for like, let's get Clay and KD healthy for Game Four. And that's better than us trying to like limp guys through with the risk. They're going to get hurt even more. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's kind of a, that's kind of a concern in, in general because the defense is just terrible. So I've, I've got a question on the flip side for you two. Um, is the Raptors defense that good or are they just playing this well due to the players on the other side of the ball? I think they're that good. I, I think the, the three best defenses I saw in the playoffs really are Toronto, Milwaukee, and Philly. Um, I believe in Golden State's ceiling as a defensive team, but they just haven't had to consistently show it. Um, and I just think that they're not going to be able to reach that um, in these playoffs with the injuries that they've had. But Toronto's defense is legitimately that good. The Warriors just don't have the offensive weapons that they've had in the past where all of a sudden it makes it a little more difficult to play Marcus all, for example, but even in circumstances where they would play Gasol off the floor, um, if that theoretically happens, because that's, that's not necessarily a given the death lineup wasn't able to play Tristan Thompson off the floor in 2016, for example. But I, I think even in circumstances where Gasol isn't in there, they do have other options. You can move Siakam to the five. You can have uh Serge Ibaka out there. Who's more mobile, uh, you can move Kawhi over to the four if you're healthy. They're, they're just incredibly versatile, and they are able to make adjustments if need be. Uh, so I, I guess in short, yes, I, I do think they're that good. What about you, Sam? I think they're that good, um, and particularly if KD's not playing, who's kind of always the X factor for the Warriors and breaking down. 
defenses. I mean, we saw in game one, I thought the Warriors kind of got shocked by them. Like they hadn't really played a defense like that without KD uh, in a long time. In game two, I still don't think they played particularly amazing on offense. They just kind of locked in on defense a little more and it, it worked out in the aggregate for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a really good defensive team. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the weakness on them is. And like th- their backcourt is small. I guess, you know, if you, if you, you can get, you can get Steph and clay open versus that a little bit if they're healthy. Um, and maybe Marcus all, but he's, he's too smart to get played off the floor. So, yeah. Yeah. Their, their, their weakness is depth really like just that you're asking a little too much out of guys. Um, especially when, uh, uh, OG is out of the lineup, which, um, I, we, we've talked a lot about injuries and, and guys being out. OG definitely would have made it made a difference in this series because that's somebody that you could play with a little more confidence than you can with like, let's say Norman Powell. Let me throw a question. If clay comes back game four, but KD does not, how do you feel about that? I think warriors win. What about you, Nick? I'm hundred percent on board. Yeah. I, I, I think Oracle's a really, really tough place to win. And, um, I would like to share a, uh, press conference quote from uh, Draymond Green. Uh, He said that the Raptors are a very good team. Uh, Actually, he called them a great team and also added, I don't see us losing too many more of them. I mean, you see, you've seen the stats of this team without Kevin Durant in the roster when they're fully healthy. Otherwise, they're a good team. It's just when you, when you lose clay and you have KD out as well, that's just so much shooting you're losing and so much defense you're losing as well. It's it's tough. But when you get Clay back, I think yeah, I I always struggle a little bit with the regular season record without so and so guy because teams aren't really game planning in the regular season. They're not going to change everything up to an attack a weakness. And also, this is a, a seven game series against a really good team rather than nights where you would have rested Durant in the regular season. But I do agree if they did have kind of the, the full arsenal outside of Durant, it would make things a whole lot easier. Um, but that that's just not going to be the case. I it's I still just I feel like they have enough. Like, I, I still feel like they're kind of fi- um, figuring things out with Toronto and they're just going to get progressively better because as much as I'm not a huge fan of Steve Kerr's in-game adjustments, I think game to game and game prep, that that is an area where he has excelled in the past. Yeah, um, I'm just curious how it looks. I, I hate keep going back to Looney because it sounds like super just kind of niche, like you have like eight stars in this series and I'm talking about Kayvon Looney. But, God, uh, look at this Bay Area hipster just going on and on about Looney. Wait, wait to but go, like, Sam. But like part of their winning with uh, the non-KD version is basically we'll ride the ebbs and flows of Steph and Clay's jump shooting um, with just lockdown defense around them. And now they're kind of stuck in a situation where, you know, you can count on Iguodala. You can obviously count on Draymond. But who's going to be that fifth guy in the lineup? Because with Boogie... I don't know. I'm sure he'll be better than he was tonight, but there's a difference between being better than tonight and kind of what he needs to be. And then beyond that, we're, I mean, we're talking about Bogut, Jordan Bell. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's not it's not pretty. At least when KD comes back, they'll just go with the the quote unquote death lineup, and then you know, yeah. And then if they lose, it's 100 percent on them. 
Yeah, I, I think that solves a lot. I I just think you're going to get a better Draymond. I think you're you're going to get a better version of um, mo- most of their guys. I, I think outside of Steph, it just was a really poor showing. And um, losing Clay and kind of having it being a game time decision that that's something that's kind of tough to prep for um, in the moment. Um, and getting him back once he he gets some uh, CBD, uh, I, I'm sure that's going to help things a lot for Game Four. <laughs> Um, so anybody willing to change their predictions? I know, Nick, you said that you, um, don't have total confidence in the Warriors. Are you going to outright pick the Raptors? No, I, I mean, unless, unless I get word that both Clay and KD are out the rest of the series, as long as they get one of those two guys back, I'm still going with the Warriors. What about you, Sam? Are, are you going to be all doomsday? Are you, are you going to do your uh, best Strauss chicken little? In <laughs> well, I, after um, game one, I said it's going seven. Um, I still feel confident it's going seven. I think they're going to probably win game four. Um, but I think Toronto has enough to at least get one more game out of them, even if they get KD back. So I think we're going seven either way. I think everyone should make sure they have uh, – time reserved on father's day, you know, take out, take out your dad early in the day. Don't, don't be stuck. <laughs> don't be stuck having to do uh, father's day dinner when the game's gone on. So I think we're going seven. Well, well, luckily for me, my dad is a massive, massive Raptors fan that thinks every single call has gone against them uh, in this series. So <laughs> there's nothing surprising there. My goodness would warriors in seven. Like I can't get any joy out of either of these teams winning, but I can find a way to enjoy either of these teams losing and Toronto <laughs> losing a game seven at home. Oh, chef's kiss. I, that, that is just fantastic. Anyways, thank you guys so much for coming on uh, and, and joining me and, helping me work through my post-game thoughts. Uh, appreciate all our listeners and the continued support from you guys. Again, apologize for not getting the Sunday pod up. We will continue to try to get this out a little more regularly. If you want to support the show, make sure you're leaving a rating, leave a re- review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and cook those books. Tell your friends and family about us because word of mouth helps us grow, helps us go and grow. <laughs> God, I'm misspeaking late at night here. And uh, continue to go out there and get those buckets.